2: From Gimlet, this is Reply All. I'm Alex Goldman. And I'm PJ Vogt. And this week, PJ, we have a super tech support.
1: Super tech support is a segment on our show where listeners write in with extraordinary unsolvable tech problems... And we decide... I do
2: a great job solving them.
1: We decide that you're the person who will solve
2: all of them. Yeah, and um, I actually have kind of a doozy this week. What have you got? Uh, so this super tech support comes to us from one of my favorite writers. First things first, can you just tell me who you are?
0: I'm Gia Tolentino. I'm a staff writer at The New Yorker.
2: And you emailed us. Yes, I did. <laughs> can you tell me why you emailed us?
0: I emailed you guys because I bought Bitcoin in what I thought was 2011, but I think was January 2012. I bought some Bitcoin because I had read Adrian Chen's piece on Gawker about Silk Road. And I was like, I want to see if I can learn how to buy Bitcoin, figure out what the dark web is.
2: Gia told me that at the time she'd just gotten back from a year in the Peace Corps. She was in Kyrgyzstan and she just had very little access to the Internet.
0: And so I got reacquainted with the Internet by... Buying some Bitcoin and then buying some drugs off Silk Road, and then being like, wow, the internet's tight. And mm-hmm. I like sampled a couple things.
2: What did you settle on for what you wanted to buy?
0: I think I bought weed and Molly. Okay. Yeah.
2: And <clears throat> how were the drugs?
0: I think they were fine. I actually think the weed was not that good. And I think the Molly was Molly. <laughs> so it was great. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Gia says she bought about 80 bucks worth of Bitcoin for this drug purchase. And she knows that there was Bitcoin left over. But in the six years since the original purchase, she has totally forgotten what happened to the Bitcoin.
1: It's like when you go on a trip and then you have like some some like currency left over and you throw it in a sock drawer. Right. Although the thing I kind of feel like I know the next thing, which is that it's like if you go on a trip, have some currency left over in a sock drawer. And in the intervening years, this currency becomes like immensely, immensely valuable. Right. I
2: we sat down. This was a couple months ago, and tried to figure out exactly how much eighty
0: dollars worth of Bitcoin would be today. Uh what was the date you, you gave? January twenty-fourth, twenty twelve.
2: On the twenty-third, Bitcoin was six dollars and twenty-nine cents. Fuck. And now <clears throat> it is sixteen thousand eight hundred and forty-eight dollars and forty-nine cents.
0: So eighty, like let's say eighty divided by six times sixteen K. Um I could have two hundred thirteen thousand dollars right now. I could have so much money. Oh my god! What's wrong with me?
2: That must be really agonizing.
0: I'm so mad at myself. I'm sorry to sound so smug about it. No, it's crazy, but it's also like that was never real money. Oh, it was though. God, two hundred. This is this really hurts to look at. This really hurts to look at. I I really wow.
2: Gia probably doesn't have the full two hundred thirteen thousand dollars because. We've established she's already spent some of that money. She just has the remainder. But it could easily
1: be six figures of money. Yeah. Oh, man. That's the worst feeling. Okay.
2: So I was like, I want to help. And I was like, okay, first things first. Let's just retrace Gia's steps, which is actually really hard. Because not only did she buy this Bitcoin six years ago, buying Bitcoin is stupidly complicated. So... Can you explain to me, to the best of your memory, like exactly the process of buying the Bitcoin and then buying the drugs?
0: Yes. Okay. Uh, There are going to be big holes here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I downloaded Tor, and then I looked at Silk Road, and I said, okay, I'm going to try to get some Bitcoin and make an account and do this. And then I remember – Taking my boyfriend's car to the Bank of America drive-through, putting like you know what I think might have been eighty dollars in a little pneumatic tube, it getting sucked up the pneumatic tube. Wait a minute! You deposited money,
2: yeah, cash, American absolutely. U.S. dollars, absolutely.
0: That's via I, pneumatic tube. Yeah, I, I did at a normal bank. Yeah, is that? I think that's what I was supposed to do.
2: I think that was actually just her putting money in her bank account. Either way, she goes home, gets on the internet, just like the regular internet, not the dark web. And she goes to this thing called a Bitcoin exchange, which just think of it as a bank. But it's just like a website. hmm Yeah. She purchases Bitcoin using that money. Okay. So now her money is at this online Bitcoin exchange, a.k.a. bank, and she has one of two options. She can let the Bitcoin exchange keep track of the Bitcoin for her, or she can keep track of it using a program
0: on her laptop called a Bitcoin wallet, which is what she thinks she did. And then I remember using some sort of internet tutorial to learn PGP or to get a PGP key. I had to like encrypt something about my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate these words, right? It's like, I wish I had a little wallet that would, is that, I like, where do Bitcoin live? Where do they live? What's money? <laughs> Hard to say.
2: So the thing that I didn't fully understand about Bitcoin until I started reporting this story is that it's pretty much impossible to lose. Because all it means to own Bitcoin is there's this gigantic public list of every account and every transaction that's ever been made using Bitcoin. It is totally anonymous. And when you buy Bitcoin, all they do is put you on the list. And the thing that Gia lost is her proof that she's on the list. It's called a key. And all that does is allow her to point to a spot on the list and say, those $80 worth of Bitcoin, those are mine. It's like like what she actually lost is more like a claim ticket. Right. So what we're looking for is the key to Gia's Bitcoin, and it's totally possible that it lives on her old laptop in her Bitcoin wallet. Okay. Gia did tell me, though, that the laptop is broken and it doesn't turn on. I am going to need that computer.
0: Okay. Should I... Should I, like, send it off somewhere and get that hard drive done? or can Before
2: you do that, I'd like to take a look at it. Okay. Um, I have a history of tech support, so I might, be yeah, able to, yeah. I might be able to boot the thing up and see what's going on there.
0: I will bring you my laptop. This is
2: exciting. I like this.
0: So a couple days later,
2: Gia comes by the office. Hey, how's it going? I meet her outside, and she had told me that this laptop didn't turn on. But she didn't tell me the extent to which it didn't turn on. All right, here it is.
0: It's, um... (laughs) Oh my God, it feels so big. Well, I think it's bloated with whatever I broke it with. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think there's some, like, water damage or something.
2: Oh. Or, I mean... It was not water damage. I opened up the computer, and it turns out that the battery had exploded inside the computer. But I managed to get the hard drive out. I connected it to my computer, and I went down into the studio with producer Damiano Marchetti. Okay, it is uh, Tuesday, January 2nd, 2018. Welcome to the new year, Damiano. Don't act like you're not in the room. Okay, I am going to look in Gia's hard drive today in the hopes that I can find a Bitcoin wallet and maybe her lost riches. Got it. Are you ready for this odyssey of discovery? (laughs) It's very exciting.
3: Oh, you're slotting it in. Maybe don't force it.
2: I had it in backwards. Is it mounting? It's not. The hard drive is spinning. I can feel the hard drive spinning. There's a chance that like this, the hard drive's dead. The hard drive is spinning, which means that, oh, I know what the problem is. It's not connected to my computer. (laughs) Oh, that's embarrassing. So anyway, I get the hard drive working, and then... Wait a second. Wait a second. This looks like a wallet address. I find this program on her computer that's called Bitcoin Core, and I open it up. It has no transactions. It has not received any Bitcoin. It has not sent any Bitcoin.
1: Basically, it's saying she doesn't have anything. That's what it's saying. Yes. So it's a dead end. It's a total dead end. But it's a slightly interesting dead end because it's like I mean, clearly she's right that like it's not like she invented the memory of buying Bitcoin, (laughs) but it's not
2: there. It's not in the laptop, which means it could probably only be in one other place. So do you remember when I said that Gia bought her Bitcoin from a Bitcoin exchange, which is
1: like like a bank? uh, Yes, I do remember.
2: Um. She, when she bought them, she might have just decided to leave that money on the website. Since there's nothing for them to actually like hold on to, what does that mean? Basically, instead of her managing her own Bitcoin keys and worrying about potentially losing them and never getting her Bitcoin back, she could leave it on the site. And instead of having to worry about the key, all she'd have to worry about is the username and password to the site. It's as simple as that. Okay. And the good news is that Gia remembers where she bought her Bitcoin, which but, is great. Which is where? Well, that's the bad news. She bought it at a website called Mt. Gox. So in the early days of Bitcoin, Mt. Gox was like the Bank of America of Bitcoin. If you wanted to buy Bitcoin, you'd go to them. Okay. There were estimates that something like 80% of all Bitcoin transactions went through the site. And what happened was, one day in early 2014... Mt. Gox just stopped honoring people's requests to move money. (sighs) Okay. It's like if all of a sudden Bank of America was like, eh. And then a document leaked from Mt. Gox that said over the course of several years, hackers had stolen about 850,000 Bitcoin from Mt. Gox. Whoa. Yes.
3: One of the biggest Bitcoin exchange houses, called Mt. Gox, has gone offline and seems to have vanished. Something is suspicious and doesn't smell right here.
0: Transactions have been halted and the CEO was unaccounted for after resigning from the Bitcoin Foundation.
2: People were freaking out about this. There was talk that this was the end of Bitcoin entirely because there was half a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin that was just gone, which today would be worth $10 billion. They managed to recover some of the Bitcoin that they've lost, but a huge chunk of it is just gone. Mt. Gox declares bankruptcy. People start filing lawsuits left and right. It's a total mess. The only bright point in this dark tale, I mean, at least for us, is that Mt. Gox puts a portal on their website that lets you check to see if you had Bitcoin there when the site shut down. Like if your name was Gia Tolentino. Right. Right. Hey, so I call Gia, I walk her through the site, it'll take you to the Mt. Gox Bankruptcy Filing System.
0: Hey, all right. <laughs> okay.
2: She tries to log in.
0: Hmm.
2: Okay, that didn't work.
0: Like, what password was I using in 2011? She
2: can't remember her password. She has like my level of memory. We tried using the forgot uh, my password okay. option.
0: The temporary authentication code will be sent to the contact email address that you entered on the bankruptcy claim form. I think I might have missed the boat on this.
2: Oh, no. It turns out the whole system only works if you filed your lost Bitcoin claim before July of 2015. So we're a couple years too late.
0: I'm sorry I'm so useless.
2: This is, look. I could
0: have made us rich.
2: All all (laughs) we're doing is exhausting all possible options. Yeah. And there's still a chance you can make us rich. Never give up.
0: I will never give up. As long
2: as you have hundreds, potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars locked on the internet somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) You have to have hope. I mean, it's still possible that her Bitcoin was in Mt. Gox when it was hacked, which is the only thing at this point that we're trying to figure out. But we won't be able to get that information from this website. Okay, that sucks. But at this point, I'm feeling pretty jazzed because I feel like all I need to do is find the right person at Mt. Gox to speak to, like the right bank teller. And it turns out there's actually this hotline. Somewhere in Japan, there's a room where people sit by telephones and take calls all day from angry people who have lost their Bitcoin fortunes.
3: Hello, thank you for calling. This is Gox Call Center speaking. How can I help you today?
2: Yeah, uh, I would like to check on the um, account balance of an account on Mt. Gox. I'm and I was... so
3: sorry, about it's not possible.
2: I try asking if I can talk to her boss. I ask if there's anybody else there I can speak to. And basically, I learned that this operator has a ton of polite ways of saying no. But I could, I could give you the information and maybe they would get back to me?
1: Unfortunately, I'm not going to promise for that.
2: Okay. Uh, is there a way to contact the trustee directly?
1: But unfortunately, we cannot promise
0: anything I
2: understand. For that. I understand. This went on for a while. And I didn't really get
0: anywhere. Thank you so much, sir. Have a nice day, then. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: So, at this point, I decided that my last option was to escalate this whole thing. To go to the one person who I was positive would know whether Gia had any Bitcoin on Mt. Gox. The owner of Mt. Gox. His name is Mark Karpelis. Okay. There's this video of him at a press conference. Um, after Mt. Gox went down, but before people knew that it was a hack.
3: So we had a problem with a system that goes a lot to all. uh, Because to our customers. Um,
4: He's this nerdy,
2: scared-looking French guy who bought the site in very early days and got super rich. And people who worked with Mark when he ran Mt. Gox told me that he ran the site in a pretty strange way and he was really easily distracted. Like a good example of that is, he was in the process of renovating a floor in the Mt. Gox building because he was really into caramel lattes to make a cafe where he wanted to serve apple pie and quiche that he baked. That was what? like his priority.
1: That's crazy. That's like Roman emperor type stuff. <laughs> wow. So. So the, <laughs> Okay. So meanwhile, like a thief is stealing tiny amounts of Bitcoin and he's like, I think I got a really good quiche recipe. <laughs>
2: So after the hack, Mark actually gets arrested because people think that he embezzled the money. He's on trial right now. And when I started talking to people in the Bitcoin realm, they all said basically, Mark's not talking to anybody. Good luck getting in touch with him. I reached out to a bunch of former Mt. Gox employees, all the people I could think of who might connect us. And I finally got in touch with a person who told me that they could be an intermediary between me and Mark. And for weeks... I would send that person a message, and they would forward it to Mark, or at least that's what they told me. And then a couple days ago, I was like, I'm just going to reach out to Mark on Reddit. And on
1: I, Reddit? He, he's a
2: Redditor? Yes. Okay. And I did. And he was like, yeah, I know who you are. Sure, I'll help you with this. <laughs> I'll do it for the Reddit karma. <laughs> so uh, I gave him all of Gia's information and uh, proof that... I, that
1: You were her emissary?
2: Yeah. And I told him, all I want from you is to just tell me if Gia has any Bitcoin on Mt. Gox. He disappears for about six hours, comes back and says, Gia has no balance. What? On Mt. Gox. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) I have to say, like, I'm impressed that you got that now, honestly. But what does
2: that mean? Like, what are the remaining possibilities then? Basically, I asked Gia, are you sure that you got your Bitcoin from Mt. Gox? And she said, yes. She sent me a confirmation email. And unless she got it on Mt. Gox and then moved it to another Bitcoin exchange, it must be on her laptop. I must have missed something. So I asked everyone that I had been speaking to about this, is there like a Bitcoin hunter out there? Like, is there a Bitcoin hunter that I can talk to? What's a to? Bitcoin hunter? Just some person who has the skill to locate missing Bitcoin? That was supposed to be you, just so you know.
1: Just. <laughs> is there some kind of super tech
2: expert who gets all this problem for me? <laughs> Listen, uh-huh. I know the limits of my technical expertise. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> you know the limits of my technical expertise? Yes. And I go to people who, who can possibly help me.
1: So is there a Bitcoin hunter out there? There is.
2: I found him and he agreed to help.
1: Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go!
4: Two guys drove
2: to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. So the Bitcoin hunter I found. His name is Jeremy Rubin. He is really involved in the Bitcoin community and has helped other people like Gia find their lost Bitcoin. It probably happens, like, not infrequently. Oh, yeah. It happens all the time. Um, I read something that said that it it was like 20% of all Bitcoin are lost. Anyway, Jeremy lives in San Francisco, but I had him remote into my computer so we could take a look at Gia's hard drive together and try and find the lost Bitcoin.
1: It's cool that you finally found someone, a new person to remote into your computer. (laughs) I feel like you're like a remote into my computer fetishist, And every story you do is just an excuse to give like, ooh, remote access.
3: Hello. Hi, is this Jeremy? Yep. How's it going?
2: Good. Basically, what we're looking for is any trace of the existence of these Bitcoins. And at first, we're just looking at the same stuff that I already looked at. But since he's a Bitcoin hunter, he knows to look in folders that I didn't even know existed.
3: So if you go to uh, the directory called application support. Okay. So now what we're looking for in here is anything related to Bitcoin. Um, I I
2: see a folder right here called
3: Bitcoin. That's exciting. That's very exciting. Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, boy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So Jeremy finds this file called wallet.dat, and he says, just move that to your computer and open it there. Okay, moment of truth. Let's see what happens here.
3: Oh boy! Looks like at some point there was seventeen Bitcoin on this wallet.
2: Seventeen Bitcoin.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs>
2: seventeen Bitcoin is two hundred and fifty-five thousand dollars in today' dollars. Yes. Jesus. And at this point, I'm pretty sure that this is the money that we're looking for. That this is the change from GS drug purchase. But the problem is it doesn't stay in her wallet.
3: If you look, it looks like they came to the wallet and then she sent them out immediately.
2: (laughs) So Gia's Bitcoin fortune lands in her Bitcoin wallet and almost immediately she moves it somewhere else. But here's the cool thing. Because we know Gia's Bitcoin wallet address, we can go online to this website called blockchain.info it shows me Bitcoin block six, 164027 from blockchain.info. Yep. It's showing me... And literally watch her Bitcoin travel from account to account to account. We don't know the actual names of the people who own these accounts, but we can see how much money they have.
3: So we're tracing the funds now. We're seeing where they ended up. And now it's gone from you know being an, an address with 131 to 200 Bitcoin. So let's just keep on clicking on, on the biggest one and we can. Gia's
2: and Gia's Bitcoin see... ended up in an account... Something. owned by oh, someone who has way more than your average Bitcoin user. They have 69,000 Bitcoin. Wow. And Jeremy looks at that account and he's like, no one really has that kind of Bitcoin. That is much more likely, probably a Bitcoin exchange. So at this point of am following along,
1: Gia took the change from her drug purchase and she put it in like another bank or exchange, whatever, like not Mt. Gox, some other place for some reason. And then she just forgot about it.
2: Possibly. I mean... We are basically making educated guesses based on a bunch of account balances. So I asked Jeremy, like, hey, I know the whole point of Bitcoin is it's supposed to be totally anonymous. No one can figure out who's interacting with who. But, like, is there any way that we can identify anybody? Like, can we identify the people that Gio was interacting with? And Jeremy was like, maybe. Really? He said that that was, like, outside of his area of expertise. He could not do it. But there are people who claim that they can And so he put me in touch with this company called Chainalysis. And what do they do? Chainalysis is like a company that basically does like Bitcoin forensics. So like they're the people you go to if someone is trying to blackmail you from a Bitcoin account or if the IRS is trying to catch someone who is hiding tax money in a cryptocurrency account. Got it. So the co founder of this company, his name's Jonathan Levine. I send him an email and he writes back right away, hey, I'm on a transatlantic flight coming to New York from Cape Town. I don't have anything to do right now. I can figure this out while I'm on the plane.
1: Using like GoGo Wireless? Yeah. That's crazy.
2: I send him uh, Gia's Bitcoin wallet address and the transaction information. And he gets back to me like a half an hour later. And he's like, I figured this out. I will be landing in New York in a couple hours. (laughs) I'm going to take a shower and then I'm coming over. Okay. So he comes to the studio. He's wearing a blazer and scarf, like for a guy who's just traveled many, many hours. He is an extremely dapper, dapper fellow. All right. Let me give you a little a little background
4: on this story. So, should should I try and give you the story without you even telling me and see whether that matches the story that you are going to tell me? Absolutely. Go for it. Okay. So you provided me with a Bitcoin address, and I would have really liked it if you didn't even provide me the name of the person that you were interested in. Um, because I would have been able to go back and basically tell you who that was and where she got her Bitcoin from and where she sent her Bitcoin to.
2: How could you have figured that out?
4: I mean, I, I figured it out in less than 30 seconds. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to. I'm going to do it in real time just while we sit here. Okay. Okay,
2: so
1: wait. The thing he's doing, unmasking anonymous people, the whole point is that he's not supposed to be able to do this. Like, what? Has he just, like, broken? Has he, like, hacked Bitcoin?
2: No, he hasn't hacked Bitcoin. The deal is that, like, since every transaction using Bitcoin is public, he's watching money go from place to place, and he's sort of using deductive reasoning and educated guesses to figure out who's behind Bitcoin accounts. And he's really good at it.
4: Um, So I can see that this Bitcoin address that you supplied me received 17.5 Bitcoin. It received all of the Bitcoin from Mt. Gox, and it sent all of the Bitcoin to Silk Road. So that 69,000
2: Bitcoin account that we were hoping was a Bitcoin exchange? It was Silk Road. So she doesn't...
1: The reason there's no leftover money to find is because what she's misremembering is she spent all her money on drugs.
2: Almost all of her money. What happened? So I talked to Gia today. Okay. So. This has been a real odyssey for me.
0: Really? I... I, Wait, do you know the answer? I do. Oh, my God. I'm so stressed.
2: (laughs) 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 All right. So... You got seventeen point five nine two five nine zero 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 Bitcoin. Uh-huh. You spent seventeen point five nine zero five zero 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 Bitcoin. Meaning you have a balance in your account of point zero zero two zero nine Bitcoin.
0: Really? Wait, I spent almost all of it? I was that precise with my Yes. Oh my God, this is oh my God. <laughs>
2: Um that to me feels like a win. You've got yeah, some money you in found there. Found it. 0.00209 Bitcoin is in today's Bitcoin market $24.40. <laughs>
0: it's so embarrassing. No, this is like my mom was always like, Gia, you shouldn't do any drugs." And I'm like, "Mom, my life is very on track. This is the first time I've been like you should stop doing drugs." <laughs> um god damn
2: Reply All is hosted by PJ Vote and me, Alex Goldman. The show is produced by Shwuthi Pinamanani, Fia Benin, Damiano Marchetti, and Caitlin Roberts. More production help this week from Krista Ripple. Our editor is Tim Howard. Fact-checking by Michelle Harris. Our intern is Devin Gwynn. Special thanks this week to Jed McCaleb and Kenny Malone, who did his own great Bitcoin hunting story on the Planet Money podcast. We will put a link to that in the show notes. We were mixed by Rick Kwan. Our theme song is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder, and the super tech support end theme song, a.k.a. the best hold music in the world, is Simplicity by Macroform. Matt Lieber is a vending machine that gives you two of the thing that you wanted by mistake. You can visit our website at replyall.limo, and you can find more episodes of the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a
0: couple weeks.